Amen. Thank you. That's a, uh, Pastor Mark, that's a crusade mic. Amen. That's an open air crusade mic. Praise God. When you want to, when you want to reach 50,000 people at a time, man, that's, that's the mic to use. Amen. Not one of these. Although this one is sounding pretty, pretty good and strong right now. It's okay though. It's not, it's not too, too loud or anything. It's all right. Praise God. Amen. I got my little, uh, I got my little folder, you know, my daughter and wife aren't with me, and our two older sons, actually, we have three children, but uh, the daughter and uh, our seven-year-old daughter, uh, Destiny, and my wife, Hokali, who's actually from northeastern India, um, and I are living in the Philippines. Our sons are here stateside now. They're 23 and 21, and the older one just got out of the army, serving in the U.S. Army, and now he's in transition phase, and then, Amen. And uh, he lived with us in the Philippines before, though. So they're all missionaries, amen. We've been doing this full-time since 1999, so praise God. And then the, the younger son is 21, and he's a student at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. So they're stateside right now, and uh, so it's the three of us. But anyway, I didn't fail to bring along because my daughter made sure that I had it with me when I left. She said, Daddy, take your folder that I made for you. For your notes, amen. So I got my, her. she's got her cross up here and her three hearts down here, amen. I think that's one for, for uh, me, mama, and her. Could be for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, amen. And so I carry that with me and on the back she says, the end, amen. So <laughs> hallelujah, glory to God. It's good to have children, especially when they love you, amen. <laughs> Oh, so good to be here this morning. I want to thank Pastor Mark and Amy. It's really just a divine uh, connection, I believe, that the Lord has made. We just really haven't known them long at all. Just met them really last year, uh, 2012, week of increase. My wife and I and daughter were there up at Brother and Sister Morris Church, and uh, we met them that week, and just a connection going on, and we're so thankful to have them in our life now. We really are. We're blessed. And we just got here yesterday, had a wonderful time yesterday, fellowshipping, a nice dinner together, and uh, just very, very blessed and honored to be here with you this morning. Amen. As I always am uh, in traveling wherever the Lord sends us. Hallelujah. Y'all were singing a beautiful song. All The worship was really strong, really beautiful, good singing. Amen. And uh, the anointing of the Lord. The presence of God is here with us. And, um, but, there, but in that last song we sang, um, thank you for the cross. The, the line in there, the glory of heaven crucified, worthy is the Lamb. The glory of heaven. That was so perfect for this morning because that's literally what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to talk to you about the glory of heaven. Amen. The glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what that is, and not so much what it is, but but where it is. Where it is, and the implications of what that means when we say, where is the glory of Christ today? And the implications of what that means. It's it's world-changing implications to know that the glory of heaven is still with us today. 
Amen. And so I thank God that you all sang that song. Amen. Because that was a nice little intro for me, amen, into the message, praise God. And when you're a preacher, you're always looking for, amen, uh, something to jump in with, praise God, to get into the flow of things. Really, for real though, to get into the flow. But before I even get into the message, uh, first off, I want to greet you uh, in the southern Philippine dialect, you know, like lots of nations, except for ours, in most nations, there's lots of different dialects and languages spoken. And so uh, I want to greet you real quickly, and that is to say, Maayong Buntag, Ang Dios Magapanalanyan Kanino. Amen. And all that means is, good morning, God bless you. Amen. Ang Dios so you can imagine with just those few words how long this service might last if I were to have to preach to you in Visayan this morning. Amen. Because I'll tell you what, they got some long words over there. You know, we, we preach and we use interpreters lots of times and, you know, I'll, I'll give my scripture and then I'll have the brother or sister read and I'll just kind of be waiting, you know, for the next couple of minutes. Amen. Praise God. While that scripture is flowing out. Hallelujah. But amen. It's good to have interpreters. Amen. Interpreters are a blessing. Anointed interpreters are really a blessing. And, uh, and, and, and I always pray that God give us good interpreters and Lord keep the interrupters away. Amen. Praise God. So, um, I'm not going to, uh, as I'm here right now, I'm not going to do, I want to tell you, it's, it's actually kind of a little funny, but, uh, but it's a true story. Uh, I'm not going to do like the elder statesman and champion for the cause of world missions once did. Uh, when he was asked to come to a church for the first time. Now, he was an older man, been in the ministry 60 years, you know, responsible. He's just an elder statesman in the body of Christ. He's not with us anymore. This is years ago. Uh, written many books, you know, a, a kind of a giant, you know, man. And uh, so, you know, when you're when you're a little older, I think the older you get, the less, you know, the you worry about what people think or say, you know. And so uh, he came to this church for the first time. Amen. A small little church where God had told the pastor, have a missions conference. They were never involved in missions before that time, this church. As denominational church, I think is uh, Assembly of God. And they said, uh, have a missions uh, conference and call so-and-so to come and speak. And he said, yeah, right, God, okay. <laughs> and anyway, uh, long and short of it is, he got the man to come. He called the man and the man said, okay, I'll agree to come only if you do exactly what I tell you. Oh, well, okay, all right, I suppose that'll be okay. So anyway, the man came and the first Sunday morning service, this was going to be a week-long conference. And he got up there in the pulpit and, uh, and he stared down the saints, you know, as if he was about to have a boxing match with them, you know. And he's eyeing the church down for about a couple of minutes, just silence. And he's eyeing the church down with beady eyes, man. And uh, giving, him, giving him a rough look, you know, a, a, a rough going over with his eyes. And then he finally speaks from behind the pulpit as looking at him and says, these are his first words. You make me sick. 
<laughs> and then for emphasis, he said it again. You make me sick. You know, this old man, he's about 80, you know, and and uh, anyway, uh, and the pastor, see, I've heard the pastor tell the story. I've been in missions conferences where he was the speaker because what ended up happening was a miracle through the, by the time that conference ended. And uh, this church then became a missions church and God dealt with the man about being a church that gives into world missions and that if you'll be a church that gives into the world missions and the preaching, proclaiming of the gospel, the discipling of nations around the world, that I'll raise you up into a mighty church and you will never do without. In fact, you will always have an abundance for every good work. And so this they, they started from scratch and that's what happened. But the pastor said as he was sitting over over there, his wife was sitting at the piano, and he was sitting over here, and as soon as the man said that, he looked over at his wife, and he said, pack, <laughs> pack now, you know, because we're gone after this, <laughs> but anyway, no, I'm not going to do that this morning, amen, you're beautiful people, praise God, and I have absolutely no reason to say that, but I thought I'd share that story, and I'll tell you, when I first heard him tell that story, I literally was on the ground rolling because it continued to go from there and it was just like a comedy show but God did incredible miracles and that church God raised that little church up and it didn't be, it didn't stay a small church for one thing it became a, a great grand church and uh, not only that but that church uh, became responsible and still is today the pastor still pastoring the church and that church is responsible for giving more than five million dollars a year just into world missions alone Praise God. Just miraculous story. And it started off like that. You make me sick. Can you imagine that? But obviously that man knew what he was doing because the crowds actually grew. Service by service by service. And they had an explosion at the end. But um, what I do want to share with you briefly is my testimony. And then just briefly to share with you a little bit about what we're doing in the Philippines and what we've been doing around the world. And then I'll get into the message. Um, but uh, I, I want to tell you where I come from because it's good that you know a little bit about me since this is our first time here. And uh, it's good to know uh, something about those who are laboring among you. And so uh, briefly, I won't tell you the long part of it because I, honestly speaking, it could be a book. And my life story with the Lord could be a book. And really, I think all of us really have a book to write and a story to tell. In fact, I'm going to probably get to a scripture later that declares that we are living epistles. Amen? Written. God's writing on our hearts. Amen? The story of His glory. Amen? The story of redemption. The story of the glory of Christ. The transformational power of the Zoe life of God and how miraculous and glorious it really is. And that's really what I want to bring to you today. I want to bring you a revelation that maybe you've seen, maybe you've seen in part, maybe you haven't really seen at all in a sense the way that I, I, I feel that the Lord wants me to bring it forth this morning because it'll change your life and it'll change the world around you if you lay hold of it. Amen. And so you're believing with me this morning, right? Amen. Hallelujah. I can sense you are. Praise God. You're good receivers. Amen. And just say to the Lord, Lord, this is my receiving day. My heart is open. My ears are attuned. And I'm ready to hear, receive, partake of, and feast on your word. 
that changes me and brings me from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You keep your faith working and your ears open. Praise the Lord. We'll have a good time. So um, I grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, In fact, I was the first Christian uh, in my family. And as far as I know, now I'm not saying I know far back into all the generations because, in fact, my mother... Uh, was Welsh. She's in heaven now, but she was Welsh. And if you know about church history, there was a great revival in Wales, you know, a few hundred years ago. And so maybe some of my ancestors were were touched uh, by the Lord in those times that I don't know about. But as far as I knew, uh, we were just your average, well, not really average. We were a little bit crazy and dysfunctional, but, 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 um, but we were just unbelievers. And uh, we, so that's to say that until the time I was 12 years old, which was in 1975, so I just turned 51 just a couple weeks ago. And so in 1975, um, I was 12 years old. And uh, we had never cracked open the Bible one time. Never, ever. We had never prayed any prayers as a family together. Never. We had never gone to church ever together. Sundays was our family day. You know, we were a family. My parents were all about family. You know, my dad grew up actually by the, by the time he was 12, his mom died and his father deserted him and his other brothers and sisters. And so my dad grew up with his older brother on the streets of Jackson Heights, New York from the time he was about 11. And so when he grew up, he, he didn't let that ruin him. But to my father's credit, he became a very good man. Didn't know the Lord until late in life. He did know the Lord and he went home last year, but thank God. But, uh, but for many years he didn't know the Lord, but he was a good man, a very respected man in the community. Uh, he became a judge later on in life after being an attorney for many years and he, and, and, and he allowed his experience to make him better. And I know the grace of God, of course, was with him and helping him all the while. But So his family was everything to him, uh, but he didn't know how to really, you know... Uh, serve the Lord and walk with the Lord. And so anyway, never been to church uh, and uh, and we'd never even said grace over our food. Okay, nothing. So we were godless people. And uh, myself, I have three older brothers and um, three older brothers and one younger sister. And I'm the fourth of five. And uh, so I was unlike, honestly speaking, I'm not you know, exaggerating, using hyperbole today to tell you uh, that I was an extremely troubled young boy. Extremely. Really, I was absolutely demonically oppressed in my life. Satan, as you know, I don't totally understand these things because I wasn't a believer, but yet God had his hand on me, obviously. And so Satan, you know, he, he knew about Moses. He knew about Jesus, you know. And so there, there's something on somebody when they come into the world, when God has a plan and his hand on them that Satan can see. And so obviously that's what was happening. And so uh, I was demonically oppressed and borderline possessed, honestly speaking. Uh, I used to do radical, crazy things in my rage and my anger as a little boy. You know, this, we're talking about 12 years old and younger. 
uh, radical, crazy things. I didn't tell you this last night, but there was one time where an Arab, a, 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 a boy from the Middle East, moved into our neighborhood. And uh, because he was different, me and my cousins had a little treehouse club. And, be, and he was our neighbor, and he wanted to come join in the fun and get to know us. And we were prejudiced and bigoted. Uh, and and, and I, he was different, and I didn't like that, and I didn't want him around. And so one day when he came in a friendly manner to try to befriend us, I picked up an old stick, uh, a broken piece of like two by four, just part of it. And I picked that thing up and I swung it and I hit him in the side of the head with that thing. And little did I know that that board had a rusty nail sticking and that nail stuck right into that boy's head. Thank God. God kept it from his temple because it was near his temple, but it went into his skull here and, and literally came out of his skull up here. And so uh, those kind of things. I was troubled. I was messed up. And so I was extremely insecure uh, to the point of I, I absolutely hated myself. I hated life. I, I was confused. I, I had no idea that about not even thinking about my future or what I might do with my future. My thinking wasn't that high. My thinking was, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm a worm underneath the ground. How will I ever do anything in life? My life is already a miserable waste of time. That's how I thought as a 12-year-old boy. And I used to see a picture of a haggardly old woman. I had this uh, in ridiculously oppressive fear of death and dying. Even that maybe imminently I might die. And when I thought that way, I would literally feel something encompass my whole body, my whole soul, as if I could feel as if I was being buried like you bury a dead person underground. Just crazy things. And I would see out in a distance, uh, two blocks away from my house, I would see, and I, there would be times where I would go into a tunnel vision effect and literally kind of lose consciousness of all this out here where I'd be taken by demonic spirits into this place where I'd see an old woman out in the distance. And she was the ugliest old woman you could ever imagine. And, certain, and, the, and it would kind of, I would come closer to her in my vision and I would see her and when I would get up close, I could see that she really wasn't human. She was like part human and just looked like a monster and had eyes. And she would literally put her finger like this to me and call me. And so all kinds of trouble. I, uh, it got so bad that sometimes uh, against the wood, the wood walls of my home, when I would get into a, a, a fit of rage and angry at myself, I would literally take my head and I would bang it, forehead, into that wood wall, cussing myself up and down. And so it was a troubled life. I had a lot of fights. I was getting in trouble at school. Even the police had to take me home a few times. And uh, so obviously I had very few friends, huh? Because no one wants a friend where one minute he's buddy-buddy and the next minute if you make him angry, he might just slug you in the face. And that's what I was known to do, you know. And I was going to say I don't look Filipino except in my height. Amen. In my height, I'm truly a Filipino. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, anyway, long story, 
I began to cry out. It was the Spirit of God helping me to cry out to God in my 12th year. During 1975, I began to speak to God, the unknown God that Paul talks about in uh, Acts 17. But I believed in God and our family believed in God because uh, we, we knew he existed. We had the creation around us and we weren't, we weren't atheistic people at all. But um, so I began to cry out in my heart, really silently at first, asking God, please come and save me. Come and help me. I don't know what I am. I don't know who I am. I'm, I'm nothing, God. I'm, I'm a waste of a life. Can you please come and save this me? Because I, I, I can't imagine living very long. And uh, so for a season, of course, everything was silent. Never heard anything from the Lord. Never received any help. Nothing at all happened. Nothing at all changed. But then, uh, so then, in June of 1975... I was tired of asking him to help me and not receiving any help. So one day I got on my bicycle and I drove down into the wooded area near our house where I could be alone and I threw my bike down on the ground and I pointed my finger to, to heaven and I began to curse God. And I said, if you're that kind of a God who can't help a young boy who's asking for your help and you don't care even about me either like nobody else, then I hate your guts. I'll never believe in you and don't ever come near my life. And then I left. But lo and behold, later that week, about three days later, on a Saturday afternoon, I was cutting the grass in front of our house as my chore was during the summertime. And I was out there mowing the lawn with the mower, minding my own business, when all of a sudden, suddenly, quicker than you can blink your eye, faster than you can even process a thought, there I was at the lawnmower, and suddenly, in a, in a flash, in a moment of time, I was not at my mower anymore, and I was caught up. And whether in the body or out of the body, like Paul says, I don't know. You can't know. It happened too fast. But I was caught up and instantly I stood before the very presence and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he spoke to me with a voice of authority and power. Not a soft voice. He spoke to me in a commanding, full of life voice like the sound of many waters, like the purest blast of, a, of the most resonant trumpet you could ever imagine. Like Phil Driscoll on steroids, man. Like nothing you've ever heard. Not that he sounded like a trumpet. He spoke words, but it was like that, a resonation of it. And his voice when he spoke came out from him and the glory that shrouded him because what I saw was the form of Jesus but what I saw mostly was the glory of Christ, the resplendent fullness of His living glory that sparkles resiliency with, with more colors than you can even imagine. You can't even imagine all the colors in His glory. And it was glistening and sparkling and it was alive. Even the glory that came out of Him was His essence that was coming out of Him. And it was coming to me. And as soon as I got into His presence, He said these words, I am the resurrection and the life! And instantly, I was enveloped with the life of Christ. 
When he spoke those words, his words came out of his mouth just like a sword would come at you. His words came out of his mouth and the glory that is his essence came out from him. And when he spoke those words, the words came to me and the glory came to me and it went inside of me and even literally went through me and outside the back of me. And he said, my son, from this day forward, you will never again fear death because you will never die. And of course, John eleven twenty five and 26 say those very things. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. And so I want to tell you on a side note, my brothers and sisters, that for the Christian... They're honestly speaking to you. There is no death. Your body may go to rest, but there is no death. Because who believes in Him, whoever lives and believes in Him, shall never die. Never taste death. Your your last breath on earth is instantly, simultaneously, your first breath in glory. Amen. And then He said, from this day forward... I I want you to walk with me and live for me. And he said, now concerning your three older brothers, you see, the Lord was addressing all those issues I told you about. The fear of death instantly removed and wiped away when he spoke those words. About the purpose of my life and the meaning of my life, he addressed it. He told me to live with him and walk with him. And then he said, now concerning your three older brothers, I never want you to look at them in envy again. And I don't want you to compare your life with theirs. Because the life for which I've created you shall be different from their life. Because when you become a man, he said, you see, I didn't have any idea that I had any future. He said, when you become a man, you will work for me. Hallelujah. And instantly, in the presence of Jesus Christ, I had these revelations. One, that I would never die. I had no fear of death from that day until now. You'll never die. I had the, I had the revelation, even without him ever telling me his name, I knew instantly when he spoke that this was Jesus Christ. Amen. He didn't even have to tell me. I knew it. And then I knew that I'd never die. And then I knew instantly by revelation, not all the details, obviously, not even close to all the details, but I knew that when I became a man, I would serve him in the ministry and speak his word like he spoke to me. Hallelujah. And that is now almost 39 years ago. Almost 39 years, the better part of my life now, and the Lord has been true to his word all these years. And I've been serving Him and we've been blessed and privileged to travel to many, many nations of the world and preach Christ unto them. Hallelujah. And He's been with us and He's made us rich and we have no sorrow in Him. And oh my, 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 how many testimonies we have with the Lord. And He's blessed me with a wife and a family and given my life purpose and shown me what it is to live in the glory of Christ. Amen. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. 
I do want to say that, you know, we're in the Philippines now. It's the second time we've been living in the Philippines. And if you want to show those pictures, you can, brother, if you have any of those pictures. There's a few of them. Don't have all, even all the best pictures, but we have a few that I had in the iPad that I could share. But um, we've been traveling since 1999 full-time. And, um, and uh, anyway, we've been to so many nations and... Uh, seeing everything, you know, preaching the gospel, discipling nations. Uh, we've done a lot of crusade, gospel crusade preaching. We've seen hundreds of thousands come to the Lord Jesus. We've seen all kinds of instantaneous miracles and healings of everything from stage four cancer to the common cold, everything in between. Just like Jesus said, the deaf hear, the blind see, the cripple walk, uh, the lame walk, the dead are raised to life again. God has just been God. And that's all He does. That's who He is. When you, when you walk with Him and you have the recognition and the revelation of His glory and His presence among you and on you and in you, and then you go forth in the purpose and the plan of God, there's a grace on your life. And I'm speaking to all of you about the grace on your life. There's a grace on your life. There's a gift of Christ that's in you. And it's ready to be released into the world around you, into the atmosphere around you. Literally, the glory of God will change the atmosphere and the circumstances of life as you just steadily, faithfully continue allow the Lord to be the Lord in your life. And so we've been walking in that grace and in the fire of God and in the gifting of Christ. And when you do that, then the Father does His work through you and Jesus is glorified. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the day and age that we're living in now. My brothers and sisters, we're living so close to the end of the age. We really are, biblically speaking, prophetically speaking. We can see how near we are to the end of the age. And so uh, the Lord is adding and multiplying and increasing the, the, the strength of His might and the power of His Word in and through our lives. And it's time, uh, not just for the fivefold. Yeah, the fivefold in fullness needs to be raised up and restored. All the ministry gifts operating in the church. But that's for the purpose of raising up and releasing all of God's people to walk in destiny and purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction of the plan of God. Because it's the body of Christ that is commissioned as ambassadors to reach the world. Hallelujah. Amen. It's you. It's you. It's me. It's all of us. Hallelujah. And you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have the gift of God. Amen. And He's living right inside of you. Amen. Glory to God. And so, uh, thank God that uh, we're living in the Philippines. So now, I, just to finish that part, we moved back to the Philippines. For the last two years, we've been on what we called, as God spoke it to us in December of 2011. He spoke to us, and I was reading Psalm chapter 2 and verse 8, 7 and 8, where the Lord says, ask of me. And he's speaking to Jesus. He's speaking to his son. And he says, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession." And so as I was reading that, that day in December of 2011, the Holy Ghost spoke inside my heart. And, and he said, I want you to go and do this. The Ask of Me World Gospel Tour. 
the ask of me. And so he said, ask of me the nation's son. And we've been asking him the nations for many years and he's been giving them to us. But he said, I want you to embark and go out on this. So me and my wife and daughter have been doing a lot of traveling. Uh, we would go to a number of nations and then we would go back to Tulsa, which has been our home base and our, our home and our base there for a number of years. So we'd be out and then we'd come back and we'd be out and we'd come back. And it's good, but um, it's been awesome. But anyway, then this year, at the beginning of the year, the Lord said, I want you to continue to travel and do the world tour as I lead you and as doors are open. But I want you to go back to the Philippines and settle again to build another new work. And so that's where we are. We're down in the very south end of the southern part of the Philippines, not far from Malaysia and Indonesia. Because the Lord spoke this to our heart one time in prayer as we were worshiping the Lord. The Lord gave a specific direction about the Philippines. And he said, this was back in 2004. And he said, I'm going to begin to give you the Muslims of Mindanao. And Mindanao is the southernmost island in the Philippines and there are millions of Muslims and in fact there are Muslim terrorists living in Mindanao. There are two terrorist groups of radical Islamic Muslims that are connected with Al-Qaeda and, and, and the Taliban. They were, they were funded, they were formed by Al-Qaeda and the Taliban so that Islam could, could, could have a base in Asia from which to go about its jihad, its war of destroying uh, all the Gentiles and all the Jews, basically. So uh, anyway, that's what is there uh, in that part of the world. And so the Lord sent us there, and we lived there in 2007 and eight. and God did such miracles. Uh, just to briefly tell you this, that I said, of course, we'll go, Lord, but we don't know anyone in Mindanao. We don't know where the Muslims are in Mindanao. We know nothing about Mindanao. So when we go, you're going to have to just literally bring us and show us to these places. And the Lord began to do that as he always does. And long story short, in 2007, in October of 2007, because of some miracles that had taken place among some of those radical Islamic uh, uh, Muslims that actually literally came to the Lord through visitations of the Lord Jesus Christ after we did a prayer walk through an area. The, they, they got radically saved and there's a village in a mountain, an, a, a, a Muslim village in a mountain, about 7,000 people, uh, extreme poverty, terrible conditions, absolutely rancid place. Uh, these precious people are just suffering up there and they, they practice the Islam, they read the Quran but they don't see any change. They have no transformation. Everything remains the same. And so it's terrible life for them up there. And the thing about the Muslims is, is that only a very small percentage are these crazy ones, you know. The rest are just genuine people like you and I who are searching for God, you know. And many of them do want to know God, but they don't know Him because they, all they know is Allah and all they know is Muhammad. And they're not God, hallelujah, but our Lord Jesus. So, anyway... We got an invitation to go in October of 2007 from that Muslim village. And long story short, we went on three separate visits up to that village. And on the third visit, we went because they asked us, yes, we want you to come and show us the true way of righteousness. If that's not an open door, I don't know what is. Amen. Because Jesus has become unto us wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification. Amen? And so 
They invited us, and on the most holy day of the year, the final day of um, Ramadan in 2007, we went, me and my son, my older son, and another pastor with me, and we went into that village, into their mosque on the last day of Ramadan, opened up our Bibles, and preached Jesus unto all these Muslims. Hallelujah! Amen! Glory to God! That's the kind of thing God has been doing. Amen. And they liked it so much in the morning that they said, this afternoon after our celebration lunch, will you come to the open kind of little square area that they have up there in their village? And will you come out there? Because some of the people wouldn't come to the mosque or couldn't come to the mosque this morning, but more will come there. Will you come this afternoon and speak the same word again? Hallelujah. Amen. They were loving the Word of God. They were loving Jesus. And we were just watching the atmosphere in that whole place change as the love of God just came down and enveloped those people. And from scowls and darkness in their eyes and, and, and roughness on their faces because of their conditions in life, as we preached Jesus unto, that day, unto them that day, we literally saw the glory of God rise upon them. Amen. And so God has been doing great things and we've been planting churches as a result, not just among the Muslims, but all over Mindanao. And we've been planting churches and uh, winning souls and uh, raising up leaders to go into those churches and take them and all like that. And now, though, what we're doing is we're building, just starting to embark on building a world missions training and sending base from right there in Mindanao, the Philippines. Amen. So when we go back, we'll be opening up a school of, of missions called the SOS training program, Send Our Salvation and Save Our Souls, uh, because the Lord told us to get people to rise up to answer the cries of the lost to come by obeying the command of Christ to go. And so that's what we're doing there in the Philippines. The Philippines is a very free nation for the gospel. There's so much liberty. There's no uh, encumberments. There's there's nothing negative, uh, legally speaking, about us having freedom to build churches, do the work of the kingdom of God. The Philippines is truly an absolutely free nation in that way. And so that's why God has sent us there. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's open up our Bibles this morning. Boy, hallelujah. I'll go quickly. And if you would, open up your Bibles to two scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. And we'll start there. The title of my message this morning is In the Image of God. In the Image of God. You know, not only were we created as a race, mankind in the image and in his likeness, amen, of God, but of course we know that we lost that. It was lost. But then, through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and his subsequent resurrection from the dead, we receive the forgiveness, the remission of sins, the gift of eternal life, and the the glorious new birth. Amen. And so we've been recreated, reborn, and recreated again now into, once again, his image and his likeness. Amen. But not only... Uh, as human beings, but we literally have been raised up together with Christ and been glorified with Him. So now we partake of His divine nature. So let's read about it. 
Oh, and I got to get there. Sorry. So it's in the image of God, knowing him as he truly is and seeing yourself as the reflection of his image. Knowing Him in His glory and seeing yourself as the reflection of His glory. And really, I want to show you briefly today the glory of Christ. And then I want you to see by the Spirit. And I'm praying for an impartation and a download deep into your spirit and your heart. Something that will imprint you and impress you. That you'll never forget and never be the same again. That you'll meditate on as you go away from here that you are made exactly in the same image and likeness of Him. And so let's look at 2 Peter 1. I'm going to read from verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. And that word knowledge is very important here. You're going to see this as I go on. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord. Now we're not talking about a head knowledge. We're talking about a knowledge of the spirit. A knowledge of the heart. And it comes. There's a knowing that comes literally in this word. A knowing that comes in your heart. In your spirit. Through observation. And his apparency. Amen. So it's through. It's So in other words. It's, it's not a book knowledge. It's literally an experiential knowledge. It's not an intellectual knowledge. It is one based in experience. Knowing God. Like I had when I met Jesus. Thank you. That day when I was 12. And so, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Listen now, listen to these powerful words. As His divine power has given to us All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him. Once again, that's important. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. One translation says, who called us to His own glory and virtue. Listen to verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, listen now, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hallelujah. That's the truth of the new birth experience. That's the truth of who we are in our spirit man. You have to remember that the person you're looking at on the outside is not the real you in the sense of, well, not the eternal you, except that it will be raised up incorruptible. Amen. So it will become the eternal you down the road. But right now, when we're talking about you and in the Bible, we're talking about your new man, your spirit man, who you are on the inside. You need to be able to see yourself from the inside out so that that's the way you live. What it, What's inside of you is what propels and powers and energizes your life in order to live out here from that place. Amen. That's the will of God for all of us. Amen. Because we have escaped the corruption, the decay of this world that's in the world because of lust or because of sin, sinful desires. Amen. Isn't that good? So we are partakers of His divine nature. 
So we're going to look at that a little more. Now look at Romans chapter 8. And this the Lord... Wow, I'm really going to have to hustle here. Praise God. Uh, if I can get to Romans. There it is. Praise God. Romans 8 and verse 16. Starting in 16. Now, I remember about 10 years ago, I asked the Lord. I'm sorry, not 16. 18. 18. 18 and 19. And then we're going to read 29 and 30 also. But um, about 10 years ago, I was asking the Lord. And I said, Father, if I had one message left to preach on the earth, what would you give me to preach? Because I'm kind of a bottom line guy and I wanted the Lord to show me what's most important so that I can be more effective and fruitful. And when I asked him that instantly, I heard in my spirit Romans 8.29. But we're going to read first verses No, we'll go ahead and we'll go back. Look at verses 29 and 30. You know this passage. Everyone knows Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. But look at verse 29 and then 30, because this is what the Lord spoke very clearly. Romans 8, 29. This is, in fact, the, the, the main thing that God is working on us in us and through us, about. This is everything to God. And the Lord, after I read this, God even spoke to me and said, you tell my people that I am relentless in my pursuit of fulfilling this scripture. That I will never change, that I will never back down, because my people are in the process of becoming the glorious image of my son. So let's read it. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew... He also predestined, amen, from before the foundations of the world. He also predestined um, to, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And that word conformed literally means to be made one with, to be jointly formed. That's why the scripture says that the... That he, whoever is joined with the Lord, is one spirit with him. You see, we're not separate from the Lord. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And we are literally, day by day, through the joint formation of ourselves with the Lord Jesus, by his spirit, we are being conformed into his glorious image. We are being changed. Amen. And this is the plan of God. And then look at verse 30. This is awesome. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. That is, called to himself in salvation. And whom he called, these he also justified, made righteous. And look at this. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Amen. You are not just headed for glory. You are living in glory right now. You have already been glorified. Just not on the outside. This one is waiting to happen. But inside your human spirit, you've been born again. And the glory of Christ is in your spirit. That same resplendent glory, that being of absolute perfect light and life, 
that came, that comes from God, which is His essence, that flows out of His very being, that same glory, at least in measure, is who we are inside our spirits. Amen. And so I'm going to show you that. Hallelujah. So look at this, back up in verse 18, real quick. Um, And this is the reason why. This is what needs to happen. Verse 18, now I understand that there's a fullness of the manifestation of this that is yet to come. That's true. There's something in the future. Amen. There's more in the future. But that doesn't, that doesn't uh, negate that in the very present moment we are living in the reality of these scriptures as well. So look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, compa- to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. That was the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. Part of the prayer was that we'd receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of our understanding being lightened or shed with rays of light that would brighten us up and cause us to see. That we would uh, uh, be filled with that. And then he says that, that, you, that they might know what are the riches of the glory of of his inheritance in the saints. In the saints. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he says, look, and the purpose is this. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation. That's all of creation, including the the sons of men on the earth. The earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And this is who you are. This is what I want you to see today is who you are as a son, as a daughter of God. What really you are. What's really inside of you because that is supposed to be, the knowledge of it is supposed to be released. Amen. So let me just um, see where else I can share here. Praise God. So we're partakers of the divine nature. So you don't have to turn there. Don't turn there. I I, I just want to read to you. This is the plan of God. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. The knowledge, not just the glory of the Lord, not not the outpouring of the, of the manifested glory of God that that from time to time can be seen in, in a cloud or whatever way it manifests itself. We're not really talking about that. What it says here, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge, the knowing by the observation through the apparency of His glory inside of the people of God. As we obey God, as we walk with God, here's kind of like my bottom line point. I might as well get to it right now. As we walk with the Lord, as we receive the revelation of the knowledge of not only being in Christ, but by by virtue of us being in Christ, that literally means that Christ is in us. Amen. And so Christ is in us. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be released in all the earth as you and I fulfill the purpose of God for our life. As you and I walk with the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit, living day to day in our homes, at our work, in our schools, in the culture, and even at church among one another. As we are living in touch with the reality of Christ in us, hallelujah, 
then as we obey the Lord, as we have unctions of the Lord, as as the Lord leads us to do things in life, as He leads us to speak to somebody over here, as He causes us our gifts to flow and operate, just even our natural ones in life, by walking obediently in the obedience of faith with the Lord, as we take steps of faith, we literally release the glory of God into the earth. We release it from inside of us. That's what causes it to flow. The life and the glory of Christ. That's why your obedience is so vital to the Lord. Because when we're disobedient and we're not walking by faith, we cut that off. It's not flowing and then the effect of it is not observed, seen, experienced, felt, or known by the people around us. But God wants to reveal himself and he's raising us up to reveal the sons of God in the earth so that people will see Jesus in all his glory. Amen. Well, I'm not going to go much more, but I do want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. Look at that. Amen. If you want to stay around, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. Because <laughs> I don't know what happens next service, but anyway. If you want to stay around and hear a little bit more about this, I'll be speaking more about it. And, and if I can, if the Lord will allow me, I'd like to pray for people today. I'd like to impart something of an anointing. I come here with a spiritual gift. And like Paul said, it's my earnest desire to to release and to impart some spiritual gift to you. And that's a ministry of grace that the Lord has given us in our life is through the laying on of our hands, through the law of contact and transmission, the Lord releases grace. He releases anointing. He releases literally the vision for the plan and purpose of God into the hearts and lives of people. That's literally what's on our lives, to help raise people up and thrust them forth with the power of God into into their destiny. And we've seen it for years and years. So anyway, look at that in Colossians. You all know this scripture, but yet it's so powerful. It, It is the mystery of the Christian faith. And you understand, mystery for us is not a mystery anymore, amen? Hallelujah. All we have to do is ask God, seek the Lord, and that which has been concealed begins to be revealed and opened up unto us. So nothing's a mystery with Him, and we are children of light. And so with us, it's not to be a mystery, but with the Gentiles, with the world, this is a mystery that God wants to open up. And like I said, you are the letters of God. You are the epistles of God to be read and known by all men. Amen. You're not to regard, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 about Jesus, it said, uh, he said, we, now we regard no man after the flesh anymore. That's what Paul said. We don't regard man after the flesh. Though we even regarded Christ at one time after the flesh, now we don't regard Him that way anymore. The way we regard Him is the revelation that I told you about in my testimony. That's how we regard Christ. Amen. And you can read about that in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 16 too, I think, about the glory of Christ. But anyway, we don't see people. And we're not, that, that includes ourselves. We're not supposed to look ourselves after the flesh anymore. We're supposed to see ourselves in the glorious image of Christ. Amen. So look at this. Colossians 1. 
and verse 26. The mystery that which was been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Been revealed. Hallelujah. To them, that is his saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Christ in you. Not just in a way that maybe you've thought about before or in a spiritual, symbolic way that, well, I don't quite totally understand that or can't grasp it. No, I'm talking about Christ in you in all of His resplendent glory, in the fullness of His life, in His, in His glorious power, in His, in, His, in His eternal glory. Christ in you. The hope or the expectation of glory. The expectation to who? To ourselves and to the world around us. People are hungering for God. They're hungering for a revelation. They may not look like they're hungering for God. They may look like they're the furthest thing from a desiring an encounter. But I'm telling you what, in their heart of hearts, if they were to, were to really encounter God, if they were to really encounter the Lord Jesus, oh my, their hearts would open up and their lives would be changed. Amen. Because what they need is not religion, they need Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I know you guys carry him. Amen. So finally he says there, verse 28, So him we preach. Amen. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Praise God. I was going to share a few more scriptures with you, but like I said, I'm just going to carry it over into the next service and see where we go with it. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you all just would pray with me, just receive right now. I'm going to pray right now, just kind of a mass prayer over you. And yeah, thank you, brother, if you could play. Thank you, Lord. Just be in the presence of God. Close everything else out just for a second. Hallelujah. Worshiping the Lord in our hearts in this place now. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, when one faces the Lord, when one beholds the Lord and all of His glory and all of His majesty and all of His love, when anyone turns to Him and beholds His face, every veil, every blinder is removed and taken away because of the virtue and the power of His excellent glory that comes from Him. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is emancipation. There is resurrection. There is glory. And we all, with unveiled, open face, no longer wondering about the Lord, but knowing Him. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed 
changed from the inside out. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so Lord, I ask you Oh Lord, I pray for your people Oh Holy Spirit You are the Lord of all creation I pray you breathe Breathe now on your people, Lord Blow away every false idea Blow away every wrong thought Blow away every old way of thinking, Lord Causing your people now To be changed From glory from glory to glory from your resplendent from your sparkling from your glorious light oh Jesus let them see now you in truth and themselves as the reflection reflecting your glory and the knowledge of it from their hearts from their lives from their hands and from their feet as they go As they go out, walking about, living about in this world. Because the Lord, as you are, as you are right now, in all your resurrection power and glory so are we so are we so my glory now take that step of faith in this year do what I put in your heart to do in this year and you shall see an outpouring of my glory and an uprising of my glory you shall see and you shall know my glory as you've 
out through us. That's what it's about. Amen. Praise God. 